0: Welcome to A Court of Transformation and Awakening. I'm Lori Gray. And I'm Amanda Grace Harrison. And today we are discussing A Court of Thorns and Roses, Chapter 10. Nope, Chapter 9 and 10. 9 and <laughs> We're doing something in there. I'm over on 10. I need to switch back to 9. Okay. Chapter 9. Chapter 9. Okay, so beginning here, Feyre has decided her best chance is if she can make Lucian her ally. Yeah. Because she figures he'll probably want to get rid of her.
1: He just, He wanted to kill her, so maybe maybe he'll help her find a loophole that will let her escape from this having to stay here in this manner. and she'll be able to go back home. Yes. So get him alone, chat with him, chat him up,
0: see if I can win him onto my team. See if we can get him as an ally. Yep, yeah, for sure. Which, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, okay. If we were if we're if we're trying to find metaphor for our lives here right which is kind of what i'm doing how do we turn this into our own transformation i'm like i think i think there's a significant moment here in again reminding ourselves we don't have to do cycle breaking alone we don't have to make all these changes alone and she makes a conscious choice to try to develop some allies to reach out for help now we've already talked a little bit about the concept of reaching out for help and how not easy that is. But it is fascinating sometimes where I'll have conversations with people or even I'll check in with myself, self where we have those moments where it's like, I'm just, it's just like me against the world. And I'm entirely alone. And sometimes I'll have to ask people like, is that is that actually true? Like, are there people that you could reach out to if you chose to? And that's been a fascinating conversation to find, I will sometimes talk to people and they will be telling me this story about how they have to go it alone and everything's so hard and everything falls to them. And then whenever I push about what relationships actually exist, I've even found people who are like, well, yeah, I mean, I've got these people in my life and they offer to help, but I'm just not comfortable with it. Yeah. So it's interesting to look at like the – the cognitive distortion of like if it feels true it must be true like just because we feel alone doesn't necessarily mean we are alone and even if like vera you are there is a space of reaching out and finding people and calling for allies and developing developing relationships if we don't have them now but very few of us i think are quite as alone as we feel sometimes yeah and you and I have talked about this, there have been days whenever I don't even really need to talk. Sometimes I don't even call you. But I'm just like, oh, I could though, if I wanted to. If I needed somebody to just like spill this to, like, I just know I'm like, Amanda exists in the world. And I could just call her and I could tell her all of this and it would be fine. And it's not even like, sometimes it's just knowing that we're not alone. Totally. Changes everything. Just knowing that, okay, if I needed to talk to
1: somebody, knowing that, Knowing that there are people who exist who I'm safe with is,
0: is yeah. enormously helpful. Yeah. And after, I'm like, just because I feel alone in this moment doesn't mean that I actually am. Yeah. Okay. That's deep. Now we can come back to <laughs> we <can> come back <laughs> what's to actually trying happening.
1: Trying to oh. find...
0: Lucian this morning. So she's trying to find Lucian, because she's, sure she's going to develop this ally.
1: Patrol today. But then she gets stopped oh, by dear. On the way to the stables to find Lucian to get him alone. And what the heck? Tamlin's following me again. Okay. <sighs> I just want to be alone, Tamlin. <laughs> just want to be alone right just now, want okay? want
0: to be alone. <laughs> and he's, you know, and he's offering, if you want, if you want to take it right across the grounds, you know, I can take you. Um... And I think Favor does a good job of, like, clear boundaries here. Yes. Like, I'd prefer to spend today alone, I think, but thank you for the offer.
1: Even though I know that's a lie, because she would prefer to spend the day alone <laughs> with Lucian. It's still, that's her, still she puts her, mm, it's no, a thank
0: you, thank you, but no yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, she she does lie there, but but even then, he's like, what about, no thank you. Nope. Like, nope, she's gonna stop you right there. Nope. And I love that reminder, thank like, you the, the like, no is a complete sentence. I have to remind myself a lot of that, Um which brings up something else in this chapter. But the kind of almost like the broken record response of like, no, thank you. No, no. thank you. You can just say it as many times as you want until the person hears you or doesn't. Which it. here, she could have said that. She could have said, uh. No, but
1: thank you for the offer she's the one who added that i'd prefer to spend today alone but then later she's like paranoid he's gonna see her with lucian and it wasn't completely true but i love this uh maybe one day if i was ever released if there was an ocean and years between us i would think back and wonder why tamlin had bothered even trying to be nice and take her on these tours of the garden and all of this. Mm -hmm. But I love that. Like, in order for her to feel safe enough to even think about why he's being less than murderous, I'm going to need an ocean and years between us before I can even have that conversation with myself.
0: Right? (laughs) Like, she knows that about herself. Right? (laughs) Yeah, and kind of that, you know, it's back to that that conversation on, like, self-awareness. It's like, Mm -hmm. or, like, sometimes we know that there's stuff, but we're just not quite ready to really look at it or really consider it or really have all the information and sometimes that's okay i'll have that conversation someday we'll look at that when there's time and space okay so we find lucian and he's like yeah go ahead and come along let's go patrol and yeah okay so we got we got a number of things going here um I love we have another moment here where she's she's walking and she's again noticing sights and sounds and sensations Mm. she's you know she's passing this lilac she's looking at the color she's looking at all these things and again not useful I tell myself not useful don't do that quit being quit being who you are quit being connected to your art (laughs) And instead, she goes to oh right, but are you on the other side of that lilac, I could hide in that bush. That is that useful. would be more useful. That would be more useful. Um, almost like she has to convince herself. Poor sweetie, you know, I, yeah. it's almost, I wasn't I wasn't looking at that bush because it was pretty. I was looking for That's a hiding a spot. A hiding <laughs> spot, and I
1: accidentally smelled the sweet. It was the scent lingered in my nose even as we rode
0: on. It was. She also has this shift here of, you know, recognizing that. You know, Andres, who she killed, that he had a place here. Like he had no. friends. He wasn't just some nameless, faceless fairy, um, and that he was missed. And the first time that she says a genuine, like sorry and meant it. Um, you know, that she she hadn't known these things. So that's kind of a pretty significant moment for her because at one point, you know, we she said like feeling no regret for it. And this is yeah. this is starting to shift for her. her yeah. Well, her,
1: these people are starting to seem less like just cruel vicious wicked beings and she's like all right they're
0: civilized this is calm and peaceful they're being polite which which is okay i mean bigger picture here it's so much easier when it's a nameless faceless us versus them yeah. versus when you have a conversation with the them mm-hmm. the with that the question <laughs> in question but that was okay one thing I do not want to discuss on this podcast is politics ever. And yet I'm going to bring it up just momentarily. Or, um, <laughs> Gosh, why am I doing that? We can edit this I out later. This is fun. This is fun. Like to see is where this is going good gravy. Um, <laughs> so in the midst of this, like in the midst of, you know, our country being in this political us versus them. Broil. Right. It was such a thing. The interesting thing is within my coaching, i draw a lot of different people because i'm not coaching around a very specific demographic it's more of like a psychographic it's a needs-based thing
1: i like that Um, a
0: psychographic yeah yeah i like it too where it's more about um, a very specific type of work that they're looking for and that type of work draws people from all over right and so i had clients that across the spectrum, like very, very far left, very, very far right, and honestly, all across the middle. Yeah. And so when everybody else is in this us them, I'm like, they're all my people. Yeah. Like, it was almost like my brain couldn't even go to that, because I couldn't, I couldn't separate out this group from the handful of individuals who I knew to be good people. Who were in that group, yeah. and almost any group that you went through, I'm like, I have people in all of those groups yeah. who I talk with weekly and know about the intimate details of their life. Like, but if it if that hadn't been the case, like I could have compassion for how much easier it would be to have that against just a massive sea of people. Yeah, but there was ne- it. It ne- my brain could never even go there. Thank goodness, because I always saw individuals. And it changes all of that
1: yeah yeah and the same way my i have like very close friends and family on every every possible end of the spectrum so I'm, and i'm constantly changing where i am in there based on whatever you know so it's like i don't i don't know how i could possibly ever have any sense of an us and a them when it's just all us we're all a big mess and we all we all have such different ideas about everything and different yeah. experiences that led us to have those beliefs yeah, yeah. And so
0: it went from, it went from fairies, <laughs> fairies, fairies, like this group to, oh, it's Tamlin and it's Lucian and his name was Andres. and we have Alice, and we're meeting people and they're not what she thought they were. Once you get to know them as individuals, they didn't all fit neatly into this categorical lump that she'd put them into and she's having to start to reconcile her experience and the way that she interpreted his death before with how she's starting to interpret it now and it's uncomfortable
1: yeah
0: reconciling those things is uncomfortable but i love our girl that she owns it and means it um and she's willing to go there good job Farah um i love too that she i love that she uh she calls lucian out here like where he he's being himself um <laughs> <laughs> and she just i wouldn't have joined you if i known you would use this ride as a, as an excuse to insult, insult me. me um and then he apologizes, and he does he does here. of course, yeah.
1: she's not sure if his apology is genuine or not but right still. it's a whole like Price. not lying
0: thing but still, but it's a it's it's one of those things, um, you know. Again, like deeper truths. I'm like, how often like does somebody say something and we don't like it and we just we just zip it and say nothing. I'm like, I tell people all the time when they're like, I think I need to work on boundaries. I like refuse to work on boundaries with people before we've worked on honesty.
1: Mm, yeah, there's no point in having boundaries that you're keeping.
0: Be nice i'm like about your boundaries i'm like i'm like have you i'm like this situation that you don't like have you just simply said like i don't like it when you say that i don't like it when this that is that is a boundary right there well i think see now the way that i define boundaries is boundaries are actions that we take to keep ourselves safe mm-hmm. so i always talk about there being three layers there's one which is where we're just honest with people about what we like and don't like and want and don't want and then there's a layer of just making requests and then a boundary is like taking action. Okay. So since we talked politics, good lord. Um, so if it's like we're at the dinner table with family and somebody's talking politics, like an initial just like, hey, I don't like talking politics at the table. Sometimes people don't know that because we're just sitting there like fuming because we don't like it. And a lot of times if we just let people know what we like and don't like, that's enough. And if that doesn't change things, we can go to a request, could we please not talk about this at the table? And it can be totally polite. But then the boundary is recognizing for ourselves that we're not willing to be in a conversation about politics at the table. And that's never about telling people you can't do this. The boundary is I pick my body up and I take it out of the room. And that's how like we can, a boundary is always something that we can guarantee. It's like, I am not willing to talk politics at the table. And so one option is like, you don't talk about them and I stay here. And the other option is I remove myself from the situation. But for it to be a boundary, the way that I define it and the way that I teach it is it has to be something that we can control, and it's always an action that we take. Um, so honesty and requests, the thing is though most of the time, most of the time, if we do the honesty bit and then we do the you request bit, we don't usually have to get to the third bit. Sometimes we do, and sometimes we just have to jump to the third bit because whatever's happening is not okay. Sometimes we just show a boundary by getting up and leaving the room, and that's all there too. Um, and
1: that can also be a part of uh not having the communication skills since we aren't all like that that should be right up there with reading writing and math it's that we should all oh my goodness. it'd be amazing if we just all learned nonviolent communication all the way through school and learned how to know and know what our needs and emotions are and be able to communicate them clearly but if you haven't learned that then the your only option becomes either stay in it and suffer or remove yourself from the situation, which then they might not even know why and they just think you're a freak or you were offended or they, they have to put their own meaning on why you left. They have to do that,
0: yeah. I, I agree. Like these these skill sets, and I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to as an adults and they're like, why weren't we learning this in school? It's just the most what? important
1: you use it way more often than you use algebra why are we i do learning? use algebra but
0: not as often as i use communication with other humans communication and like emotional Jeez. literacy and emotional regulation skills and oh my goodness like self-regulating skills like things that are so beneficial i know there, there there have been some push push for it um i like the calm app for meditation i know they had a um i think for a while where they would um give any teachers like a free subscription if they wanted to use it in the, the classroom of doing like calming exercises with the students. So I think that there's, there's a greater awareness of the need, but the implementation sure. and changing an entire system. It's slow. It's slow.
1: <laughs> it's going to it happen. It's It has to, if we're going to survive as a
0: species, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a thing. Um, I forget how we got on that tangent. What we were talking Lever- about before Lever-less that was boundaries, honesty. I don't actually. Know I that. don't know either. What but but her being, yeah. But the ability to to be honest. Oh, I don't know, because he's yeah, because she's like basically quit insulting me. Um, oh, he's right. Like, okay. He's like she's like I, yeah. I didn't know you were gonna do that. You know, it's a little bit different, but it it has been an ongoing thing that. I've been working on, and I don't do it. Sometimes in certain situations, I still freeze. Like, I still freeze. I still shut down. Um, But learning to, like, in safer spaces, to be able to say, I actually don't agree with that, or I'm actually not comfortable talking about that, or can't we switch the subject? And I still have, like, anxiety over it, right? Because we're taught, like, be quiet. But it's been so empowering and so helpful. And so often there's so much unnecessary, angst and drama and complication from our inability to be honest and again it's just one of those things like i just don't say that in a way that's judgmental like i don't say like just because we know like being honest would be helpful that suddenly we can snap our fingers and everybody can do it or that every situation is safe to do it but there are a lot of situations where i talk to people and they're completely safe to do it they it's more about that they've been taught it's not polite and and really working through those blocks of understanding like it or just, they're just
1: scared it's gonna yeah, rock, rock the, rock yeah. the boat too yeah. much.
0: Yeah. So there, so there are deeper things. There are nervous system things. There are actual lack of safety. Like there's always a nuance to any and every conversation. Like there's no way I can look at, you know, through a podcast for a person's life that I've never seen, and be like, just be honest. Yeah. No, I don't know. That may be a bad call. Don't listen to that. <laughs> if you know better, <laughs> like trust your wisdom. I'm just saying that often, often, there is a place for greater honesty that. Keeps so much of that. Um, I want to say I was I was going to say keep it down. That's what I mean. That like um, prevents so much of that internal drama and reading between the lines. Like when we just say what's true. Um, but it, but it is a skill set. It's that thing that we have to develop with communications. Yes. But really yes. proud of Feyre nice. here for, for speaking
1: up. Yeah. Um, well, and then he immediately. Returns with calling her out on exactly what she was doing. Oh my gosh. Day. Her whole plan for this. She thinks she's being so sneaky. She thinks she's, she's going sneaky. along when she's pretending to hunt with him so that she can hang out and gradually sneak onto his good side and he just comes out with So when are you gonna start so when are you gonna start trying to persuade me to beseech Tamla to find a way to free you from the treaty's rules?
0: He's under her. <laughs> she's like <laughs> Darn At first she so tries to deny it, it and then she's like, dang what? it. What? No, Never mind. It's not <laughs> I don't oh, know what I was trying to do. She was
1: trying. It didn't work. Um, but he's impressed and flattered that she thinks he has that kind of sway with Tamlin. So at least was yeah. kind of getting on his good side.
0: Yeah. Tells us, tell us a little bit about their relationship, too. We're like, we're still figuring that out, too. Like, what is their relationship like? Um, so we get a little insight into that for well, um, or as well. He says, I admire your balls, Feyre. I really do. Um, I'm like, ovaries, man. I admire your ovaries. Or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah not this um yeah so again this idea of like you're stuck here you know her feeling like she just can't um but we do have we do have some you know some more conversation here where she learns a little bit about his role as emissary um you know she's hoping to get more useful more useful information out of him asking these questions it's not really a it's not really a friendly conversation but we do get to learn some things about um shape-shifting. Um, we get to learn about him losing his eye and, you know, and and understanding that not only did Tamley not do it, um, he's like, you know, he, he's the fact that he's like, cauldron, no. Like, the, the fact that, like, the idea that she would suggest him being violent, he's like, oh my gosh, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. You know, but he got me the replacement. Again, we're starting to get those, those indications that this beastly... Yeah, this beastly man is maybe not terrible yep okay and then oh dear and then i felt it and then i felt it oh, Ooh, this scene is so creepy okay so we're flowing right into chapter 10 guys but so here ooh, i tell you what this creature is no bueno like that this this is just creepy stuff um we get to meet the, how do we learn to say it? You, bogey. bogey. The bogey, um, bogey, like in golf. Um, A bogey. Our bogey bogey. Yeah. Um, so that was, that, that was no fun. And this is, again, as we talked about before, some, not all the stories about the theories were incorrect. Right. Some of the ones you wish were incorrect
1: turned out to be true and terrifying.
0: Yeah. And we also see at the, at the end of this here, um, we again we get to see a little bit of her fight. You know, we're do you ever stop being so serious and dull? Do you ever stop being such a prick? Like, and <laughs> and but I love that he grins, he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, much better. You know, he's he's wanting her to be like a real person, and um, yeah, and so he's finally talking back to Lucian, which is
1: what Alice told her originally. Like, he could use somebody snapping back this. at him, and and she, of course, is
0: terrified too in the beginning, but now she's. She's yeah, getting comfortable. I love this. Getting to, getting to see them talk. Um, okay, so we get through this, then we go to dinner, and Tamlin's a little upset because she definitely told him she didn't want to go to she wanted to be alone, and instead yep. she spent the day with him. So everything everything's found out, and he's he's in a bad mood. Um, so, and then eventually they do tell him about the bogey, and you know Tamlin goes and looks for it. Um, I had to laugh though. Like the one of the, again, looking for, you know, kind of looking at some of this, this deeper meaning. Um, so he, Tamlin asks her, did you catch anything? And she just says, no. <laughs> <laughs> Lucian gave me a pointed cough as is urging me to say nor, say more. She's like, but I had nothing to say. I just like, no was the answer. And I was like, okay, now this is a point when Feyre and I part paths in terms of being able to relate. Um, One word answers, like, no, no, I definitely fall into the over explaining, over sharing. Yeah, I can't say no, I'll say no, and then I'll give you three reasons. And then I'll repeat those three reasons from six different angles just to make sure. Yep that you know why (laughs) the answer was no um that was that was an interesting thing like one one I do just like talking like that's 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 a thing that I'm not going to deny but in uncomfortable situations it is interesting noticing when people go to a place of oversharing when they don't want to and they get that place of like oh my goodness it's like my mouth won't stop and like it's go go going um and really understanding it's it's like a self-protective trauma response it happens a lot for people who who dealt with gaslighting because it's like if i just explain enough then my intentions can't be misunderstood right right it can't be that but they Always can be misunderstood. They still can. No matter how
1: much you say, you're just digging yourself a deeper hole most of the time. It doesn't Based really help. Him. I for sure do that a lot.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. But we, you know, my husband and I joke, like, if there's a, if there's something need to be that needs to be said and it requires 10 minutes to say it, he will finish in five and I will finish in 20. No. It makes for interesting conversations between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> He is. I am an oversharer for sure, but he is an undersharer as well. And maybe at some point we'll both just become in the middle. What's what's, what's if it's not over, if it's not under. Um, I want to say accurate, appropriate sharers. Appropriate, appropriate sharers. sharers. But it is one of those interesting things to notice, like noticing our communication styles, as we were talking about noticing um, what happens under stress, and and again, I think for anybody you know, I always do like to share with you anytime I can use my story to normalize it for people. Cause I do think I'll have a lot of people and they do the, oh my gosh, why can't I stop? Like, why can't I stop? Yeah, Like, you know, and there's that discomfort of like, ah! and I think one of the reasons I love brain science and like one of the reasons I love understanding this, because if I can just give an explanation to myself or to people, and it's like, yeah, this is, here's a possible explanation for what is happening. And if people can just get to the place of like, oh that makes sense okay i get why that might happen where we can release a little bit of that tension and a little bit of that shame that we're holding of like why can't i do this well because you're not your rational brain's not totally in charge right now we're in a little bit of self-protection and for whatever reason this is the part that feels yeah safe this makes us feel safe it's not that's really helping more
1: oh my gosh
0: <laughs> it's that's not really that's helping that's but, gonna help but it feels safe um all right so Tamlin goes out to hunt the bogey.
1: Yes, and that's when she figures out that, uh, huh. So so it's this terrifying thing. I'm not even allowed to look at it. Lucian's like, don't look at it. Don't listen to it anything. And yet Tamlin is going to go hunt it because he's capable of killing something like the bogey. Yeah. He'd served me that first night, offered me life rather than death. And yet he's so fierce
0: that he can go hunt this terrible, horrible monster creature. Yeah. And we start to see that, yeah, that there are these differences. Um, and I love, too, that we already have this moment where she's watching for his return, seeing if he can survive. And she's she's waiting up for him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we see... Dun dun dun! Her father. Yeah, it's,
1: like, it's a creature. It's a male. It's hunched. It's coming towards me. It's. But it's not a fairy. It's a man. It's
0: my father. It's my father. End chapter ten. And that's that, folks.
1: Thanks so much for watching this episode, chapter nine and ten of *The Court of Thorns and Roses*. And if you haven't already, be sure to go over to Talk. ACOTA, that's A-C-O-T-A-A dot to join our community and interact more with these podcasts and also get to know the community and join us in a deeper adventure if you'd like. And we'll see you next time for chapter 11. Chapter 11. Okay. Bye. Bye.